Welcome to CyberCast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is staff writer researcher, Nikki Henderson. Hi, Nikki. Hello there, Alex. So you had the chance to chat with Chi Kang, Deputy Director for Operations and Cybersecurity Division at NOAA. For those who don't know, what does NOAA stand for? NOAA stands for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Gotcha. So what are some of the primary functions of NOAA's Enterprise Security Operations Center when it comes to protecting the agency's networks and data from cyber attacks? What did Chi say about this? Well, Alex, Chi said that NOAA provides several enterprise security functions, including network perimeter defense, as well as tech service management. They also offer 24-7 real-time monitoring for cyber analytics. And this is unbelievable what I'm about to tell you. Chi said that they monitor between 50 and 60 billion, yes, billion raw events on a weekly basis. So when he told me that, I was like, wow. (laughs) So, um, but that is what they're doing, the real-time monitoring uh, for cyber analytics, all of those different events. And then she also said that NOAA focuses not only on the responsive or reactive nature, but also the proactive threat hunting so that they can anticipate if there is a change in landscape where they can see an increased probability of an attack. Gotcha. And wow, I feel like this is the second time you've brought up billion with a B (laughs) in our chats. And it never fails to amaze me just how much data is out there and how NOAA and other agencies sort through it, which leads very well into our next question, which is, what did Chi say about machine learning? and the role it plays in increasing the speed and effectiveness of NOAA's cyber analytics. Well, one thing that she mentioned was that leveraging machine learning has been really helpful to NOAA when trying to identify things of interest that need to be analyzed by humans. He also said that machine learning has been a major part of their overall analytics. So ML has played a key role in helping NOAA expand their behavior analytics component, which is really essential. She also added that NOAA has been leveraging ML for threat detection, incident response, as well as vulnerability assessment. So Really, overall, Alex, ML seems to really be paying off in a big way for NOAA, which is great. It sounds like it. So somehow we are already more than halfway through the year, which is just crazy to me. What are some cybersecurity goals that NOAA is hoping to achieve for the remainder of 2023? Well, Alex, she told me that NOAA has a pretty aggressive culture when it comes to supporting their mission. And he said one of their goals for this year is boosting their efforts when it comes to investing in their cybersecurity workforce. And I know that several people that I've talked with uh, lately have said the same thing, that it's crucial to boost their cybersecurity workforce. He said they want to attract the best cyber talent, of course, um, especially on the operations side, as well as information insurance. So 
She said that NOAA is continuing to raise the bar on having the right certification requirements and training, which also includes uh, hiring more technical staff. Another thing at the top of NOAA's list is making progress with the OMB directive. So they're reviewing their roadmap and trying to see how to best align it to move towards a zero trust architecture. Well, with all of that in mind, let's take a listen to your interview. So before we begin, can you please introduce yourself and give a brief description of your role at NOAA? Okay. Uh, my name is Chi Kang. I'm the Deputy Director for Cybersecurity Operations here at NOAA. Um, I've been with NOAA since uh, 2001. So uh, definitely a dinosaur and uh, somewhat of an institution at this point. I've had several different roles here at NOAA um, over the years. I uh, started my career in um, I, supporting IT systems and tra transitioned to cyber um, about eight years ago. Currently, uh, under my purview, um, I run the ops component of cyber. So we're not information assurance, we're not policy. We're uh, in the mostly on the enforcement of policy but primarily focusing on cyber analytics, incident response, and providing enterprise security services to the organization. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for that. Well, we can go ahead and uh, get into our conversation now. Can you tell us about some of the primary functions of NOAA's Enterprise Security Operations Center when it comes to protecting the agency's networks and data from cyber attacks? So um, NOAA runs a, a centralized security operations center. So we're the only component in cyber um, in NOAA that had that function. Uh, so information assurance is uh, is federated within the organization. NOAA has somewhere between 80 to 90 business systems um, at any given point, um, with about a third of them being a high impact system. So that is delegated as well as federated um, somewhat broadly within the organization that's close to the mission. So when it comes to security operation, that's, central, that's centrally managed as well as centrally operated because of the economy of scale, as well as making sure that we have the poor density of talent in, within the one organization. Uh, we provide uh, several enterprise security functions, including network perimeter defense, as well as vulnerability assessment, uh, tax surface management, as well as uh, the 24-7 real-time monitoring for cyber analytics and uh, providing any incident response handling across the entire organization. So um, we monitor um, upwards of 50 to 60 uh, billion uh, raw events on a weekly basis. And we put that into a giant set of milkshake uh, technology, uh, leveraging various different technologies, uh, SIM type products, uh, leveraging machine learning to try to uh, identify uh, things of interest uh, that need to be analyzed by humans. And we pump that, a lot of that stuff into a lot of uh, tools that automate some of that process so that we could try to figure out if there's something of interest uh, to see if there's something triggering a cyber event. Uh, we also coordinate a lot of the incident response handling between the organization and our upstream reporting entities, such as DHS, as well as Department of Commerce. And um, we, we're, we're, we really tried to focus on, not only on the responsive or reactive nature of it, but also the proactive uh, threat hunting as well as threat and analytics so that we could anticipate uh, there is a, a change in landscape where we see an increased attack vector or a probability of an attack. Uh, so, so I'm trying to do that preemptive 
uh, outreach to our organization where we see something exposed or we see a vulnerability uh, that we see something being exploited in the wild um, and where we see an attempt of an exploitation, we notify the organization to make sure that we shore up those um, infrastructure that provide NOAA's mission. Okay, great. Thank you. And and do you think that NOAA would ever go to a security operations center as a service model? So um, if I'm trying to read, uh, try to understand the question uh, regarding uh, would we, I guess, uh, outsource our SOC, uh, if you will, I, I think the answer is probably not. Um, NOAA has made a significant I, uh, IT security investment, especially in the upside, of course, the last six, seven years. And we've gone through a different maturity level stages. And the SOC has been up and running um, in NOAA at the nature of the way it looks today since 2012. Um, and there was significant investment back in 2015 and another significant round of investment that occurred in, in 2020 um, in response to the changing landscape with the remote workforce, et cetera. NOAA's actually been a somewhat of a center of excellence when it comes to cyber and cyber operations. We currently, we were validated back in 2017 with DHS, uh, TIC validation was a thing under the original TIC 2.0 uh, reference architecture as a multi-agency TICAP provider. And I'm proud to say that NOAA currently provides um, TICAP services uh, to 11 of the 13 bureaus within the Department of Commerce. And uh, NOAA has actually uh, had an annual SOC maturity assessment throughout the years. And we're, we are at a pretty high level of maturity and we compare ourselves to some of the DHS maturity models. And um, I think we're actually seeking to become um, a SOC as a service provider, um, if anything else, versus us actually referencing an existing provider. Okay, great. Thank you for explaining that. Well, Chi, I want to ask you this. If you had a magic wand, what would you wish for to secure the enterprise? Uh, you know, that's a, uh, uh, it's a couple of open-ended question, but I'll attempt, I'll do my best to attempt to answer that question. I think uh, if, if you're, if you're in the world of instant response or cyber analytics, I think the having a, um, a healthy patient or um, health, uh, healthy organization is probably the uh, the most sought out uh, state. An organization that has minimal exposure with uh, virtually no vulnerabilities or a, a attack vector that's very small or of uh, close to zero would be the the goal. But I think that's on that's not really realistic in the real world. Um, you know, IT is messy, uh, mission is messy, and you know, uh, NOAA has a lot of international partners. And we're in the business of disseminating and sharing a lot of our data. And that inherently comes with uh, threats that comes with it. Um, and unlike some organizations where um, you're trying to protect everything within a boundary, um, you know, we're in the business of sharing all our data as well as disseminating a lot of the information that we have. So um, you know, trying to make sure that we understand we're operating uh, at the lowest uh, risk posture possible is uh, probably the stand we want. That includes cyber hygiene, right? Make sure things are packed. Things are probably configured to best practices and trying to make sure that our um, our stakeholders as well as our IT operators within the mission system um, is able to continue to drive towards that. Um, I would say that the, in the course of the last five, six, seven years that I've been here uh, in our program working with our um, mission systems, uh, they've been doing a great job of, of understanding and trying to having that cultural change and part of digital transformation over the years where cyber is now becoming a, a foundational component or a pillar within a lot of organization. And, um, you know, 
uh, I think that's been a really good a change in posture, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to kind of sum it up, right, uh, making sure uh, that we have a good culture of uh, cyber awareness and uh, making sure that uh, we're able to invest our time and resources to make sure we take a balanced approach or balanced risk management approach to balancing mission and their needs, as well as our uh, cyber threat lens, uh, so cyber threat exposure. Okay, great. That was perfect. And and you're right at the end there, you talked about having a good uh, culture of cyber awareness. That is very important. Well, Chi, what emerging technologies is NOAA using to boost its security information and event management systems? Well, you know, we actually just went through uh, about a year and a half ago or two years ago now, um, like almost been two years, uh, we started leveraging a security orchestration automated response platform uh, to supplement our multi-SIM environment. Uh, SIMs are somewhat of the uh, you know early 2000, late 2000 type technology at this point. Um, it's able to be, it's able to uh, correlate events, but really the expensive part is making use of these events as well as making sure that you reduce the workload on the analyst, especially benign tasks or mundane tasks that are very, should be very repeated. So having a security orchestration layer on top of a SIM environment or multiple SIM environment allows analysts to have a single plane of glass in view to be able to work within. They don't have to understand all the uh, the nuances of how the data is aggregated or correlated, but they have a one dashboard or one way to interface with all the data. And some of the uh, data they interface with has been already automated and presented to them as they're doing the analysis. So they're not manually searching for you know various data points. And so we have several playbooks that's able to leverage the, the speedy response, if you will, to any particular investigating of an IT security incident or a potential incident, given the automation technology that we have. So I think uh, you know that was something that we really wanted to pursue uh, three, four years ago. We did a somewhat of a you know an analysis of alternatives, and um, you know about two years ago it went into place, and uh, we've been really uh, doubling and tripling down to make sure that uh, we really leverage that. But now the automation piece is great, right? But that also means that we have now more strategic or high-level analytic work that we need to do on top or as well as developing some of the playbook. Um, but, you know, some of the really um, other emerging technology, I think, is, is if you look at the, the OMB directive like M2131 with, you know, larger goals for data archive as far as visibility and optics, different technologies uh, need to be reviewed as well as, um, needs to be explored to try to meet those initiatives. Um, trying to have data retention for a year or in cold storage for like 18 months, uh, that's only a piece of it. Indexing all that data and making it regularly available and meaningful for the analysts is, is a whole different aspect of that. So um, rather than try to do it with technology that we currently have, right? we're looking at technologies that our industry partners have already developed. Uh, you know, Some of the technology that we've been piloting are things like Microsoft Sentinel, Google Backstory, uh, they come with not only just the archiving as well as indexing technology, but also to come with other analytics as well as threat intelligence overlay that we could take potential leverage up. So we've been really exploring um, some of the cloud-based solutions and some of the larger vendors uh, that are doing uh, these type of behavior analytics as well as uh, uh, structured and unstructured data analytics. Um, and we're really trying to make use of that so that you know we commoditize the analysis as much as possible 
uh, so that we are really more interested in the product and not necessarily run the underlying infrastructure that supports it. Okay. Great. Well, it's very interesting to hear about the new technologies that you guys are piloting. Well, gee, how is NOAA streamlining its tech tools and processes to better evaluate threats and improve incident response? Uh, so, you know, this is a, uh, again, a pretty tough question, I think. Uh, you know, there's a lot of technologies out there. You know, I, I will say uh, this is, uh, you know, you mentioned the magic wand earlier. Um, you know, not a, not a lot of organizations get to operate exactly the way they want to operate because of guardrails established by policies as well as statutory requirements, as well as um, other initiatives that's happening in the federal government. And trying to balance that is a, it's a challenge. So if you think about it, you have existing investment or sunk cost of the current landscape of technology when it comes to security tools. You have tools that are mandated or by policy or capabilities that are uh, pushed down from either provided by CISA or by the department, et cetera. And a lot of them have overlapping capabilities and some of them have uh, competing capabilities. So, you know, we've been, we've been really trying to make sure that we understand, especially in the area of endpoint protection and management uh, area, uh, you have a lot of agents running on endpoint today to do uh, one of several things and some of those capabilities overlap. So we started a study uh, several years ago to try to figure out, well, what are the mandated tools and how much do they actually overlap and try to really drive down, um, you know, what, what is the bedrock of things that really needs to be in these things to meet the objectives. Mm -hmm. And um, find the recent binding operation director like 2301 was a great example of giving organizations some latitude as far as um, how to meet the objective versus prescriptive on the tools that uh, they were originally prescribed initially. So, um, you know, really, uh, it's, it, you have to evaluate your landscape continuously um, to be able to do that. And right now, we, we really focused several years ago on endpoint, and we have some uh, few decision or uh, we have a few uh, key points on the horizon as far as, you know, which way we want to pivot. Uh, the other area is we also do a threat, um, we do an uh, incident response matrix for every incident, uh, meaning uh, we evaluate every incident and say, you know, what tools detected things to identify the incident or what tools were leveraged to investigate the incident. And then we see in our roadmap that's updated every six months, we say, well, what was on, what's currently on the horizon that would have also aided it for this particular incident or investigation? And we constantly evaluate this on a quarterly basis to say, are we one on the right track based on the, the, the threat landscape that's coming, as well as what technology are that we have in our environment, maybe are not as useful as they were once you know, in the past, right? Um, because the threat landscape is continuously evolving. So we do that on a we do that on a every incident uh, incident basis uh, to uh, put that as an as a part of our anal analyst. Um, on a quarterly basis, and at the program level, we review it so that uh, we make sure that the tools we're leveraging are in fact doing what they're supposed to be doing, as well as to make sure that we have some um, guiding sticks to make sure that we're going in the right place. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, this actually leads me great into my next question. When we're talking about emerging technologies, what role is machine learning playing when it comes to increasing the speed and effectiveness of NOAA's cyber analytics? So, you know, machine learning is a, a huge part of our analytics component. Right? As I mentioned that uh, 
you know, upwards of 50 billion base events on a weekly basis to be analyzed by our organization. It's a, it's a large number. And, uh, you know, static uh, content rules, et cetera, they're, they're just not going to really cut it uh, you know, in these days, especially with how fast paced things are moving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of machine learning for threat detection based on the optics and telemetry that the organization has. Uh, there's a, quite a bit of machine learning that we're trying to leverage for incident response. Currently, the playbooks and a lot of these things are more prescriptive, but we are trying to see if there's any um, room for leveraging machine learning for automating some of the incident response type things rather than uh, having a pre-existing prescriptive rule. Uh, you know, so there's a certain level of maturity that is really required to do that. But um, uh, you know, it's something that we're, we're evaluating because we really want to make sure that our cybersecurity talent workforce is focusing on the things that are required for humans unless you know, in our benign things that could be uh, leveraged by uh, uh, machines. We've been evaluating a few different um, attack surface management products as well, um, outside of the ones we currently have that really does the automated uh, vulnerability assessment. And uh, you know, these, uh, there's a lot of machine learning products out there right now that could do uh, pen testing as well as vulnerability assessment. And um, it's, a, it's a huge area in order to make sure that um, rather than us under, see a potential attack or see an attempted attack, right? Just understand the exposure, trying to figure out what could be uh, leveraged by using some of, uh, by leveraging some of the data from these machine learning um, uh, vulnerability assessment tools out there that could try to get an early start to try to reduce that uh, threat, threat footprint. One major area though, I will say that is essential outside of the volume of optics that we have is really on the behavior analytics. So insider threat or um, internal risk mitigation is a huge topic uh, across our organization as well as I suspect a lot in the federal government. Uh, data loss and data exfiltration is a, it's a thing that uh, is very real and it needs to be um, uh, monitored for as well as for detecting. And these are not things that humans could really do. Uh, there's just too much data as well as too many subjective, subjective things out there and so many verities of how data exfiltration could occur that you know, having a prescriptive nature of a, a, a person and a process um, is not a very effective thing. So there's a number of tools that we've been leveraging, um, interfacing with our uh, collaboration platform, as well as where we keep a lot of our um, PI or PI or CUI type data, as far as how uh, data is in transit, as well as how it's stored and permissions uh, that overlay to it. Mm -hmm. And machine learning has been a huge part of our ability to really grow our behavior analytics um, component uh, in our SOC um, to be able to detect for potential data loss or data exfiltration uh, within the organization. Okay, it's wonderful to hear all of the benefits that machine learning is bringing to NOAA, especially in, in helping with the cyber analytics. Well, Chi, in what ways can industry help NOAA enhance its overall cybersecurity mission? Um, well, I, you know, I, I NOAA is an interesting organization, uh, in my opinion. Um, I've been here, like I said, since 01, and uh, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different organizations as part of our collaboration. And I will say that uh, NOAA is, is not um, completely unique, maybe, uh, maybe, but it's slightly uncommon, I think, in the federal government that uh, we are a science organization, so we have a high tolerance for innovation. So if, if you think about it, certain uh, agencies are not necessarily have that culture, um, but you know, as a science organization, on the science side, there's a high tolerance for innovation, but that 
culture also translates to the way we fun we run IT, but also the way cybersecurity is also operated here at NOAA. Um, and I think our 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 leadership has demonstrated as well as uh, shown to that to us that we did the high tolerance for innovation. And when it comes to industry, I think um, you know understanding that about Noma, right, and understanding the customer is really trying to make sure that we get innovative uh, solutions approached to us as well as uh, submitted to us about solving a problem. I think there is a uh, a quote uh, from the '80s, like no one ever got fired from buying IBM. Uh, and I understand this seems logical because if everyone else is doing it, it might be a good idea. It's a, it's, it's a proven thing. But, you know, if you think about it, you know, just because it's the thing that everyone is doing, it doesn't mean it's the best way and doesn't necessarily mean it's the forward leaning way. So I think it's one of those things where trying to really embrace that out of the box culture to try to look at the problem in a different way. And if you have an organization that's a high tolerance for its mission, innovation for its mission, supporting its mission, you know, we require a cyber solution that are also equally innovative to be able to try to protect it. So, you know, when, when industries are interfacing with NOAA when it comes to cybersecurity, um, I think it's really important to understand our the customer and making sure that understand that we have a high tolerance for innovation and we would like to see some innovative approaches on how to solve a problem. And don't just give us the one that you know, the majority of the federal agencies uh, have done in the past or the one that, you know, is somewhat saying, well, this is a proven model, right? And it's kind of like, well, that was great 10 years ago, but, you know, we're not looking for that anymore, right? We're looking for more of the innovative approach. Right, right, great. Well, what are some of the cybersecurity goals that NOAA is hoping to achieve for the remainder of 2023? Um, well, I, lots of goals, uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I think we have a pretty, uh, we, we have a pretty aggressive culture when it comes to trying to accomplish uh, and supporting our mission. So um, I, I, I think uh, that some of the ones that I would say is uh, we're really trying to continue to invest in our cybersecurity workforce, um, both in the operations side as well as information assurance. And this includes both technical uh, for feds as well as for contracts, us uh, partners that support us. So uh, that investment means about just raising the bar, right? Uh, certification requirement, uh, training, um, as well as making sure that you know we have a good um, place for and that could attract the, the best cybersecurity talents within the organization. So you know it's uh, trying to make sure that the organization is continuing to invest in our workforce is definitely it's it's, a, it's almost a goal every year. But um, you know we really want to make sure that uh, you know we continue to do that for the remaining of the year. Uh, specifically to um, operations, um, we've really been trying to invest and hire more technical uh, federal staff. Uh, we actually have a, an incredible uh, federal uh, presence within the operations team that are very technical. Uh, there, are, there are organizations where you see a lot of uh, technical or federal roles within any organization be mostly administrative as well as um, oversight roles. But we may have oversight roles, but we also have uh, technical feds uh, working side by side with our industry partners on uh, working incidents, analyzing incidents, as well as responding to incidents in real time. Uh, you know, collaborating and making sure that uh, you know we have we have a, a good dynamics with our partners. Um, the uh, the other goal that I think um, is continue to streamline processes for intelligence sharing across SOC. If this is a uh, I, uh, one, I know what part of the EO improving uh, nation's uh, cybersecurity posture has definitely been a goal. 
but also just interfacing with other SOC, uh, formally, informally, make sure that we're aware of each other. And, uh, you know, we'll do um, information sharing between SOC with some of the ones that we work closely with. When we have a new ED or BOD drop, uh, we talk about, hey, how are you guys meeting this? Or what is your approach for uh, your investigation particular to this threat? And, you know, we're trying to make sure that we have more collaboration between the SOC at the more at the working level so that not just the guidance that we're getting from either CISA or, you know, the department, we're trying to really try to make sure that we have a community of SOCs that could really um, speak to each other about, you know, how are we accomplishing the things that are coming down uh, to try to protect our own missions. And then, uh, you know, lately, but lastly, I think, uh, you know, we've been uh, somewhat on full speed for the last year and uh, trying to make sure that the organization is moving toward the uh, drill trust framework, right? Uh, there is a, a, an OMB directive out there for uh, making sure that we're moving towards it. There's a, some set of prescriptive instructions in there, but we've been really working with a lot of our IT practitioners within the organization and reviewing their roadmap and trying to shift the roadmap that they currently have so that it aligns best with uh, meeting the zero trust architecture. I think a lot of organizations, when they look at things like zero trust, you know, you're no one's starting from zero. Everyone has something, some cost investment as well as a path that they were on. We just want to make sure that the organizations that run those services, we're all headed towards us, you know, the same true north, if you will, when it comes to things like zero trust. So we're continuing to working with those um, IT partners uh, to make sure that uh, their roadmap are, are strategically aligned to some of the organization goals in this specific case to zero trust. Okay. Gee, I appreciate you outlining some of those goals that you guys are trying to achieve before the end of 2023. And I agree with you when you said about investing in the workforce. I mean, that's huge. And especially attracting uh, the best cyber talent is indeed crucial. Well, are there any future cybersecurity efforts or initiatives that you're excited about? You know, Zero uh, Trust is actually something that I'm very excited about. I think it's been a, uh, a really good initiative. It's not necessary uh, if you take the components and you break it down, they themselves are not new necessarily, but it does bring it under one umbrella as a, a focus initiative to try to prioritize it within the federal government and the organization. And I think that's given some really good um, uh, outline of how organizations should try to approach this problem. And um, you know, it's, it's been a really good forcing function in certain areas to make sure things like MFA, vulnerability scanning, right, incident response planning, they kind of all seem to align together. So, you know, it's been a really good, um, I think, initiative. And having that being out there, industry, you know, is responding effectively with that and making sure that when they offer us a solution, it's able to incorporate with one zero trust strategy or uh, within the zero trust framework. So I think that's been a really an exciting um, initiative across the federal government. And I, I think it's been, I think the federal government has been pretty pleased with how the industry has been responding uh, to try to assist in meeting that goal. The other thing, uh, outside of machine learning, um, there's a lot of AI power threat detection that's on part of the emerging technology. That's also really uh, exciting. You know, there's, um, you know, there's these quasi AI and a lot of ML out there, but there's been a lot of AI specific branded uh, threat detection that's coming out. So we're continuing to evaluate to see how they could be incorporated within our, within our organization as part of our security capabilities. But that's a super exciting space um, because you know, it just means that uh, our workforce could continue to focus on the high, higher level 
functions and uh, try to automate and try to relieve some of the more uh, day-to-day or some of the repeatable things that could be done through you know AI. So you know it's a uh, it's it's a pretty exciting space because I think it's a transformational thing when about how workforce would be uh, transformed. So if you if you if you if you kind of look at it like this is a situation where I can see uh, the 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 core of a workforce be really be transformed. You know, just mentioning earlier about our XOR technology, um, sort sort technology that we implemented, there's been um, uh, a huge transformation where we had mostly SOC analysts and then less incident response handlers, and now we have less security analysts and we have more incident response handlers. Uh, so it's been a somewhat of a flip because we have these higher level analysts um, and it's respond certified incident response handlers within our organization, our workforce, because we are we're doing more high level type cyber related work. So you know that's been really exciting. And if you look at core density or talent density within the organization, that's been a huge change within the last two years. So you know I think AI is going to continue to drive that. So uh, you know super excited about it. Um, but we're trying to be cautious to make sure that you know we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's because you know new technologies bring you know new sets of challenges. And uh, you know but we're excited to continue to evaluate them and see how they can be incorporated to our organization. Awesome. I, I totally agree with you. The AI and threat detection, that that's super exciting indeed. And we have a, a lot to look forward to. So that's great. Uh, well, um, I do want to add one more thing. Uh, it just came to me. Is, uh, you know, we're talking about collaboration with our SOC. I am actually really excited to see additional collaboration between public and private sectors when it comes to threat intelligence sharing. Uh, that's been a, uh, you know, part, it was part of the EO to try to uh, relieve some of the constraints that occurs with that um, in the past. And it really focused on trying to make sure that that intelligence is shared more regularly and readily available uh, between private and uh, private sectors. And mm-hmm. I think that's been a, a, a huge win, I think just for both sectors. So um, you know, I, I'm continuing continue to be excited to see how more does that come. And um, you know, it, it's trying to make sure that, uh, you know, Larger visibility of the threat landscape as as what's being exposed as well as what's being uh, what what everybody's dealing with. Um, I think it's it, it's an exciting time to see that type of uh, collaboration be a focus, and uh, you know seeing more of it. I think it's just going to be even better. Great. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. That that sounds wonderful. Before we conclude, Chi, I wanted to know: Do you have any? final comments or remarks that you would like to leave with our listeners? You know, cyber is a, um, it's a challenging space. And uh, I think honestly, it's a, it's a, it's, uh, it, it, it's a team sport. It requires um, every practitioner at the IT level, at the user, all the way to the IT level, IT security practitioner, as well as into respond handler. It, it's a, it, it's a, um, it, 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 no one could do it alone. Right, it's about educating the the user workforce. It's about educating the developers. It's about working with the developers, the IT practitioners, the admins, um, as well as uh, the IT uh, security specific uh, role individuals. So I think you know one thing is uh, I know a lot of organizations try to do it on their own, right? But it requires a, a, a you know a partnership all the way from the end user as well as all the way to the executives at getting their support and buy-in. Um, so you know just Understand that it's a, it, cyber is definitely a holistic, it requires a holistic approach to try to meet it and do it well. And um, 
you know, I think it's, uh, I, I just want to say, at least here at NOAA, it's been super um, helpful to see that type of alignment the last few years. And um, I think, you know, that, that kind of translated some of the, uh, the success and some of the, uh, the forward progress that we've seen within our organization. Okay, great. Well, that was perfect. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I want to thank you again for taking out time to speak with me today about NOAA's cyber mission and all of the goals and things that you hope to accomplish for the rest of this year and beyond. And so I really do appreciate you joining me and I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Appreciate it. CyberCast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.